0: vast human and material resources, into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised.
1: I'm a personality I know your anger I know your dreams I've been everything you want to be
2: Oh,
0: I'm a culture
1: personality Like Mussolini and Kennedy I'm
3: the The cult of The And hey now Ladies and gentlemen Welcome to A brand new edition Of Over the line A brand new week A brand new Monday Nobody likes Mondays But that's alright Mondays are like Ex-wives. Monday, are like baby baby mamas. They suck, but you got to deal with them, right? Am I right? Over the line, overthelionshow.com. Welcome one, welcome all. A lot of stuff to get to today. It's been quite the weekend with the news cycle, as you probably know. Filled with wonderful hoax, hate crimes, disgraced former FBI directors, and much more. And just, and again, we're going to talk about the hate crime stuff. And we'll also talk about the shooting in Illinois on Friday but I cannot get over the the 60 Minutes interview from last night. I watched it uh, late last night when I got home, and it should scare the crap out of each and every person in this country that cares about this democracy. And you would think that there are tons and tons of people in this country that that are just adamant about preserving the democracy, that their their number one priority is, is making sure it's maintained, because in some circles, that's all that's ever talked about. Ever since the election of Donald Trump, those on the left, all they ever talk about is how much danger the democracy's in and how important it is for us to uh, stand up for it and not let it die under the reign of corrupt and evil politicians or evil, evil public officials. Well, I think after all that talk of the democracy being under siege, we finally got our first taste of what that is like in a 60 Minutes interview that your boy Andrew McCabe conducted last night. Now, Andrew McCabe is, uh, as you know, he was the former assistant... Director to the FBI under James Comey, and he was kind of a people knew who he was, but he wasn't really a a, a player at least in the in the eye of the public. You know, James Comey was was the guy. He was the name brand guy when it came to the FBI. He was out front on the Hillary Clinton stuff, so on and so forth. Uh, but when James Comey was fired by Donald Trump in the early days of his presidency. Andrew McCabe then took over. Andrew McCabe, somebody who worked very, very closely with with James Comey. Then it came out that Andrew McCabe is one of the guys that's kickstarting this Russia collusion investigation. And then we find out all the stuff, and I'm not going to go through it. We'll we'll get to it as we go along, because uh, we've harped on it time and time again. And most of you guys know the story. Uh, But he gets fired as well, in very dramatic fashion. Couldn't happen to a nicer guy. 26 hours before he was set to retire and receive his pension, Donald Trump canned him. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Uh, So he, being out of a job and not receiving his pension that he probably expected to get his whole career, by the way, I don't feel sorry for him one bit. Uh, he is now finding other ways to make money, and that is the exact same route that everybody within Trump's orbit that gets the boot takes, and that's write a book. Andrew McCabe has written a book about his time in the FBI. His time, I, I guess really the book revolves around uh, revolves around his time under trump or his time as acting fbi director i don't know i'm not gonna read it i'm not gonna do the audiobook i i did it with cliff sims and listen cliff just cliff's book was more than enough for me for these anti-trump opportunists trying to make money off the president i just i can't do it again i can't go through that the emotional stress uh, and the fact that when you do the audiobook and you're driving down the road and these jabronis start to put you to sleep, it's very dangerous, not only for yourself, but other motorists. So he's uh, he's got a book which causes him to do a media tour. Now, this media tour, the 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 first I guess this is the first stop. I think this is the first time he's spoken publicly was on 60 Minutes. Uh, it, it was recorded lot l- sometime last week and aired last night. And he he briefly goes through what happened in uh, those few days between him assuming James Comey's old position and then him getting the can. And it was it was very telling. It sucks because he did it on sixty minutes with an interviewer that threw softballs the entire time, but it still allowed us to get some insight on what was going through the guy's head. And what story he's trying to um, he's trying to put out to the people. Now he cannot be trusted first and foremost. Not to say everything he he's putting out there is a lie. I'm just saying that there's a 99.9 percent chance that 99.9 percent of it is a lie. But uh, that's neither here nor there. We're going to take it at face value. Um, and he's been convicted or uh, charged with lying to Congress, at least according to the Inspector General. Okay, we'll we'll get to that later. But just to give you an overview, for those of you that didn't see the interview or you have no interest in watching it and you'd rather Andrew McLean from over the line tell you all about it, that's what I am here to do. Now, one of the big takeaways that you're probably seeing all over the news today is... The fact that he talks about Rod Rosenstein being um, being adamant about wearing a wire into the White House in an attempt to gain evidence or garner evidence on the president and his ties to Russia. Basically saying, they don't check me when I walk into the Oval Office, so I could wear a wire and they wouldn't know any different, blah, 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 blah. Now, Rosenstein has come out and he says, this is completely false. I never said such things. But McCabe, who has said this in the past, we got anonymous reports in the past. And I think that came through the Washington Post where this was actually a thing. Now, Andrew McCabe is coming out, and he, con- he is confirming that as far as he is concerned, that that was a thing, and that he witnessed it firsthand. Here is Andrew McCabe last night on 60 Minutes. Listen to this.
0: i to you accurately enough the pressure and the chaos that Rod and I were trying to operate under at that time. It was incredibly turbulent, incredibly stressful, and it was clear to me that that stress was, was impacting the Deputy Attorney General. We talked about um, why the President had insisted on firing the Director, and whether or not he was thinking about the Russia investigation, and did that impact his decision. And in the context of that conversation, the Deputy Attorney General offered to wear a wire into the White House. He said, I never get searched when I go into the White House. I could easily wear a recording device. They wouldn't know it was there. Now, he was not joking. He was absolutely serious. And in fact, he brought it up in the next meeting we had. I never actually considered taking him up on the offer. Um, I did discuss it with my general counsel and my leadership team back at the FBI after he brought it up the first time.
2: of rosenstein wearing the wire into a meeting with the president was what what did he hope to obtain
0: i can't characterize what rod was thinking or what he was hoping at that moment but the reason you would have someone wear a concealed recording device be to collect evidence and in this case what was the true nature of the president's motivation in calling for the firing
3: of now they're painting this, or the, you listen to the way the interview conducts him. Uh, con- the interviewer conducts himself in this interview. Now, you couldn't really get a feel from it from that short clip, but he does the same thing that everybody else does in the sense of portraying their justification for why it was necessary to spy on the Trump campaign or not that it was necessary, but why it was justified after the fact. And their justification is literally just a boomerang of recycled evidence. Their justification is, well, the fact that we even have to ask this question, if this is possibly a thing, gives us enough justification to go in there and spy on them. The fact that this is even a thought. In anyone's mind. Is enough justification to get in here. And, and try to get to the bottom. Of this Russia collusion. Between the president. And Vladimir Putin. Uncle Vlad. By the way I'll have you guys know. One the uh, For those of you watching on YouTube. The camera angle is, is different today. But if you look to my right. Your left. Uh, on my shelf, I have a photo of Vladimir Putin on the top shelf. He's wearing one of those big fuzzy Russian hats, and it says the big the big deal, Vlad, the big deal. <laughs> actually, I think I got that from Russell P actually, but I use that to trigger people. um, but that's what they do they They use their reasoning and and they just recycle it. You know I'm saying, what, well, I mean, the fact that we even are having this discussion is reason enough for us to wear a wire in unprecedented fashion and spy on the president in the White House, in the Oval Office. Now, again, Rosenstein says there is uh, there is no, no way, no how he said anything of the sort he did admit to saying... Uh, He would wear a wire, or suggesting wearing a wire, but he claims it was in the sense of joking around to where everybody was adamant about figuring out what was going on, and Rosenstein was like, well, what do you want me to do, wear a wire? Now, either one of those versions of the story could be true. I feel like something did happen. Something was said there, which isn't, I don't know, because everybody in that circle is is shady. And some of the most shady, corrupt people. Donald Trump talks about drain the swamp and the deep state and all this kind of stuff. Like, the, those aren't campaign slogans, those are real things. Here's Andrew McCabe elaborating more on Rosenstein and um, not only spying, but moving on to invoking the 25th Amendment, which would officially oust the president. From office.
2: McCabe says Rosenstein raised another idea. The twenty-fifth amendment to the Constitution allows the vice president and a majority of the cabinet to remove the president.
0: A discussion of the 25th Amendment was, was simply Rod raised the issue and discussed it with me in the context of thinking about how many other cabinet officials might support such an effort. Um, I didn't have much to contribute, to be perfectly honest, in that uh, conversation, so I listened to what he had to say. Um, but to be fair, it was an unbelievably stressful time. I can't even describe for you how many things must have been coursing through the Deputy Attorney General's mind at that point. So. Um, it was really something that he kind of threw out in a in a very frenzied um, chaotic conversation about where we were and what we needed to do next
2: what seemed to be coursing through the mind of the Deputy Attorney General was getting rid of the President of the United States
0: well one I, way or another I can't confirm that but what I can say is the Deputy Attorney General was definitely very concerned about the president about his capacity and about his intent at that point in time.
2: How did he bring up the idea of the 25th Amendment to you?
0: Honestly, I don't remember. He, it was just another kind of topic that he jumped in the midst of a, 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 of a wide-ranging conversation. Seriously? Have you, <laughs> just yeah. another topic? Yeah. Did you counsel him on that? I didn't. I mean, he was discussing um, other cabinet members and whether or not people would support s- such an idea, whether or not other cabinet members would um, shared his belief that the president was, um, was really concerning, was concerning, Rod, at that time.
2: Rosenstein was actually
0: openly talking
2: about whether there was a majority of the cabinet who would vote to remove the president.
0: That's correct. Counting votes or possible votes.
2: Did he assign specific votes to specific people? No, not that I recall. As you're sitting in this meeting in the Justice Department talking about removing the president of the United States, you were thinking what?
0: How did I get here? Confronting these confounding legal issues.
3: Now you hear the demeanor of the interviewer here saying my goodness how did we get here what were you thinking this is crazy that we're at this point not what evidence did you base it on what hard evidence not what you thought or something that the president said that you thought was funny what legal constitutional basis did you have for even going this route or attempting to go this route no he's With the same, wow, the fact that we're even talking about this. Can you believe it?
0: Of such immense importance, not just to the FBI, but to the entire country. It was, um, it was disorienting.
2: In response to our interview, the Justice Department gave us a carefully worded statement. It says McCabe's story is inaccurate and factually incorrect. The deputy attorney general never authorized any recording of the president, nor was the deputy attorney general in a position to consider inv-
3: in. And in a position to invoke the 25th Amendment is what that should have said, which it wasn't. The 25th Amendment is constructed to be near impossible to implement. It is a situation where it's designed for a situation where you have a president who is actually, and this is in reality, mentally unstable, uh, physically unable to conduct the duties of the president of the United States, just anything that would incapacitate the person that is holding. The office, that's what it's for, to be for such a dire time that his vice president and any vice president is normally loyal to the president of the United States. They're honored to serve with that president, honored that that person would have picked them to be their number one sidekick. Not only that, but the rest of the people that had been appointed by the president to be a part of his cabinet those people would have to all agree that the president is in a position to where he can no longer be the president of the United States. He can't be an effective president, okay? That's obviously not going to happen. But second of all, this is what's amazing. Where these people are amazed that we're at a point where we're having to even talk about these things, I'm amazed that in my lifetime, I am seeing a president that has brought this country great prosperity, has brought this country record unemployment numbers for all races and all genders, has closed the pay gap to its smallest gap ever between black and white Americans. And we've got people within our government that are calling for him to be impeached, to invoke the 25th Amendment because he's mentally unstable or he's compromised. That's literally where we're at in 2019. How crazy is this? This is insane. Go back 5, 10, 15 years and and literally think about somebody bringing you that scenario and they say in 15 years you're going to have a president who's going to give you the greatest economy that you've seen in your lifetime, the greatest economy in 20, 30, 40 years. And half of the country is going to try to get him out of office while praising politicians that are openly promoting socialism. Imagine what those average American citizens in the 90s or in the 80s would be saying if you told them that. Because we used to all be in in sync, and we all used to be in agreement on one accord about these issues that Donald Trump has brought to the forefront: national security, economic prosperity, uh, the global issues of uh, foreign countries that are a threat, terrorism. We used to all be able to agree on that stuff. And now you've got a guy that's going that route. He's doing the things that we all, the, the things we all used to agree on, and people want him out of office. That's where we're at in 2017. 2019. Where am I at? I keep jumping around. So you go on in the interview, and, and some some things I noticed that he said during the 60 minutes, uh, the 60 minutes hit. He talks about, and I think this is very important. I think some people have glossed over this. He, he talks about how closely he worked with Comey and how he had a meeting with Trump. And and Trump was telling him about how everybody in the FBI was happy that he had fired Comey. And he said he just shook his head and agreed because he knew that that wasn't the case. The FBI was devastated that Comey had been fired, blah, 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 blah. Uh. But the fact that he talks about how closely he worked with Comey tells you, especially with the way Comey conducts himself now, tells you that Comey was in on all this as well. He was absolutely in all this, and he had certainly had a hand in setting the stage for when he got booted, because he knew he knew he was going to get booted. What's Donald Trump won the presidency. He knew he wasn't going to be there for long. He was just waiting on his moment to be a martyr. So he wanted to set all this other stuff in motion. So when McCabe took over, the guy that worked right beside him, that worked so closely with him, that if McCabe had this master plan that he came up on his own, at some point Comey was going to know about it, they were in on it together. And Comey gets the boot and the plan gets to rolling. The ball gets to rolling. You look at Comey now, the things he says publicly, the things he says on Twitter, the constant attacks on on Donald Trump. It's more than just a disgruntled employee that got got canned. It's, It's a guy whose candidate lost, who he stuck his neck out for, who he risked his career for by going against every protocol the Justice Department has and letting Hillary Clinton off the hook. Then hitting the panic button, reopening the investigation right before the, the presidential election to make sure people didn't think he was trying to help her out because he was catching so much heat. Only to close it again to try to reassure people, look, we've, uh, we've done this investigation twice and we find uh, no way that any reasonable prosecutor would, would uh, prosecute this lady. That old gag. So Comey knew that's one thing to take away from that one short line that he gave in that interview he also talks about how when they brought up the intelligence agency says North Korea has these rockets they're test firing missiles and and they've possibly got missiles that could be capable of reaching the U.S. McCabe claims that Trump says, I don't believe it. And McCabe says, why don't you believe it? And he says, because Vladimir Putin told me so. So Andrew McCabe, who was the acting FBI director at the time, is claiming the president told him, I don't believe our intelligence agency because Vladimir Putin told me something different. Now, Donald Trump, obviously, has reasons, and he's expressed the fact that he's not always in agreement with the intelligence community because he's watched what they've done in the past with weapons of mass destruction in Iraq and getting us into endless wars. He does not want to repeat that. He's made it very clear he's not in the business of taking over countries or occupying countries for decades and decades. It's not what he wants to do, and he's been consistent on that for decades. He's not in the business of of occupying countries, but to stretch it out and say he told the intelligence community to their face he doesn't believe him because Vladimir Putin told him something seems a bit of a stretch. Another thing to take away from that part is McCabe elaborates on when Trump allegedly said this, and he says, I was shocked that he said it. He said, because of all the things, all the, I'm sorry, all the time and energy we, all the time and energy we all put into these things to produce products that will help the president. He says we. Now he's talking about the intelligence community who's dealing with international issues. He. Andrew McCabe is the acting FBI director dealing with domestic issues. Now, why would he want to say we if he's strictly talking about the intelligence agency unless he's working with them and those that held those positions at the time to concoct this plan of investigating Trump over ties to Russia and working very closely with them? To make sure they can get FISA warrants to spy on the Trump campaign and other foreign nationals. That's another thing to take note of. But here's the funniest one of all. Now, that conversation that I just told you about, by the way, that happens a week after McCabe takes over. This also happens a week after McCabe takes over. McCabe's wife had a failed Senate bid that just happened, I guess. I don't really know the time frame, but it was all kind of right there close together. McCabe comes into the Oval Office, and he says Trump asks him, what was it like for your wife to lose her Senate bid? And he claims, he told the president, well, it doesn't feel good. We don't like losing, blah, 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 blah. And he asked again, and he kind of gave the same answer. And then he said the third time, Trump said, Ask your wife what it's like to be a loser. <laughs> Ask your wife what it's like to be a loser. And he said he was shocked, he was angry, and that he just ended the conversation by saying, okay. And said that no man wants to have his uh, wife talked about that way. And uh, I I agree with that. You you don't want that. As a man, nobody would, would put up with that. But he said, being the President of the United States, instead of engaging in an argument with him, I just ended the conversation. But in this book, he claims that Donald Trump was calling his wife a loser to his face. That is some pretty flamboyant uh, uh, book material. that's uh that's some that's some good reading right there if you will. and it was put in there with the intent to sell books. I'm sure we all know, common sense tells us, when people write a book, they've got to exaggerate some things. That even happens in radio. you got to exaggerate some things to make them fun and exciting. Uh, and on our part, it doesn't necessarily, especially in news talk, you don't have to lie to exaggerate to make stories better. Most of the time, exaggeration comes in the form of telling a personal story about yourself, and not in the news. Uh, But when it comes to books like this one that your boy Andrew McCabe has written, he certainly is going to be in the business of exaggerating, even if he's trying to tell the truth throughout the whole book. Again, as I said at the front end, chances are this book is full of a whole lot of lies. 99.9%, give or take, a tenth of a percent. It's a book full of fabricated, nonsensical stories. But what he is truthful about is these things about invoking the 25th Amendment, about McCabe wanting to wear a wire. All that stuff had already been out there. We knew a lot of that already. We didn't know where it came from. Apparently, it was leaked by Andrew McCabe in an attempt to sway public opinion on the president being unstable because, again, They don't need any evidence. They just need the American people to know, hey, we had to talk about this, so that must mean something really bad is going on. That's how they do things. But that was the long and short of the 60 Minutes interview from last night. If you want to go watch it, go watch it. I don't think there's going to be anything in there that I didn't tell you about, but that'll be your call. Don't put that on me. I don't want you to waste 30 minutes of your life and not be able to get it back. But McCabe is the brand new Cliff Sims with a brand new book. And uh, speaking of Cliff, that's got to kind of suck for him. The fact that now the next big thing is on its way and Team of Vipers is going to be left in the dust. Because you think about it. Think about how much name recognition Andrew McCabe has compared to Cliff Sims people that are in the, that are in the business of reading those books are most certainly going to go with Andrew McCabe's book before they go with Cliff Sims' book by the way Cliff Sims' birthday was yesterday so hopefully he went and had a good time with all that book money that he got I only know that cuz I saw it on Facebook but that's neither here nor there one more fro- one more thing on the on the Russia front is the fact that Adam Full of Shift is on CNN State of the Union yesterday, talking about how he's not going to accept the findings of the special counsel, uh, counsel Robert Mueller. After all this talk of we've got to let the Robert Mueller investigation continue, we've got to let the special counsel conduct their investigation unobstructed because they're going to get to the bottom of this. We have 100% faith in them. Now that they're getting the word that the Mueller investigation is going to report zero findings of Russia collusion, Adam Schiff is literally saying we're not going to accept the findings of. The Mueller investigation, and we are going to have to proceed with conducting our own investigation in the House. On the House Intelligence Committee. (laughs) They literally went from putting all their eggs in the Mueller basket to, we're not going to accept what Mueller says. Why? Because Mueller didn't say what they wanted him to say. And they knew that. We had heard them in the past talking about how uh, if it comes out that there's no Russia collusion, that they have more work to do, that it's not going to be acceptable if they don't get their Russia collusion. Because they've invested everything in it. Everything they've done hinges on finding this Russia collusion. Their campaigns, their policy, they have no... They have no policy, they have nothing to offer the American people other than we know Trump did it and we're going to catch him. And it's too late to turn back and and try to actually be a diplomatic politician that's offering policy that's actually going to help American people. It's too late for that. So they're determined to either find something or continue to hang this cloud over Trump's head the 2020 election, because if they lose the election in 2020, you thought the first election meltdown was good. You thought the Kavanaugh meltdown was good. You wait until Trump wins in 2020. You'll see a liberal meltdown like you've never seen in your life. And I'm going to love every minute of it. Over the line, line, OverTheLineShow.com. We will be back right after this. Y'all hang tight. Are you looking to get the word out and help grow your business? Hey, it's Andrew from Over the Line, the podcast. We are looking to partner with brand new business owners to help grow their business and get the word out to our listeners so we can link them up with the best businesses around. They spend their hard-earned money on these products, on these services, and we want to make sure we get them teamed up with the right people. If you're interested in teaming up with this podcast and letting people know about your business, contact me, Andrew at OverTheLineShow.com. That's Andrew at (laughs) OverTheLineShow.com. you. Yeah. Make sure you guys sign up for the newsletter at the bottom of the website. You can also listen to the podcast there on the website. Not the live version, but you can listen to uh, the recorded part right there from the website. Or use your favorite podcast platform. That would be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. About a cast box. Anchor is another one. Anchor is actually really good. Um, you know they advertise uh, on the show, uh, but they have uh, they offer a lot of different podcasts on there as well. And I I really didn't know about them until we got this show started. Somebody reached out and said, "Hey, go with Anchor. Check those guys out." And I did, and uh, not bad. Not a bad job, anchor guys. Can I tell y'all, my weekend has been kind of crazy. In the sense of... I think I have physically injured myself. My right arm hurts so bad. Like my shoulder, from my elbow to my shoulder. It is in such severe pain... It's even causing me to lose sleep because I busted out the Wii Bowling over the weekend. And I used to play Wii Bowling all the time. Like I was a pro at it. And it had been years and years. And I said, you know what? It's time for me to break it back out. It's time for me to break it back out and hit the lanes once again. I did, and um, it didn't vote well for me. Now I can barely move my arm because I'm so freaking sore. And it came up yesterday. I started feeling the pain yesterday, and now it's just even worse. I'm like, oh, I was slinging that thing, too. I'm the guy that's got to wear the wristband on the Wii controller because I will certainly throw a controller through a TV. But it's brutal. It hurts. Anyway, uh, what else hurts uh, Tennessee basketball team? University of Tennessee, they lost over the weekend to Kentucky. Who I hate, especially when it comes to basketball. I hate Kentucky. But that's okay. It means we lost our number one position, but that is all right. I think it's what the Tennessee basketball program needed. They needed a wake-up call, get ready for March Madness. So we're going to be all right. I think we're going to be good. All right. Outside of that, that's all my drama in my personal life. Uh, Let me quickly brief you on this shooting that happened Friday in Aurora, Illinois. Uh, There was a guy, Gary Martin, who showed up at a warehouse. He was a... disgruntled employee or former employee, I'm not real clear on the details, uh, but he comes into a Henry Pratt company facility in Aurora, Illinois, and opens fire, shooting many people, and I think the final count was uh, five deceased in that shooting of four deceased, If I'm not mistaken, there were four or five officers that were struck as well uh, by gunfire. Just a really, really bad situation. And, of course, the media and the politicians, they hop on this stuff, and they immediately uh, start talking about gun legislation, gun control, and they politicize it right off the bat. That's no surprise. It should not shock us. It's really not even worth mentioning at this point how quick they are to jump on that front, that aspect of of these tragedies and talk about how we need tighter gun laws. Uh, But ironically, this guy broke the law in order to possess the gun that he had. In Illinois, you're supposed to have your FOID, which is your firearm owner's identification. He did not have one because it had been revoked, and he also had a felony in 1995. Now, he was able to purchase a Smith & Wesson firearm. Uh, I'm not sure of the time frame, but it was well after his felony conviction. Once they realized that he had slipped through the cracks, they revoked his firearms uh, firearm owner identification. So then he was not legally permitted to own the firearm. He would have been required to go turn that into the sheriff's department or whatever. He did not. So the laws that were on the books did not stop a bad guy from having a gun. And there's no other law. If if that law doesn't work, there's not another law that you're going to make that's going to stop this guy from... From doing something crazy like this. But what did stop him. Ultimately in the end. After he caused much havoc. Was a good guy with a gun. Police officer shot and killed the man. They're still investigating it. So as we find out more information on that. We'll bring it to you. But a sad sad situation. And uh, really sad that. People want to take this situation. And make it into a gun control issue. But again, that's no surprise. Another issue is hate crimes and racism and bigotry in this country that is derived from the one and only Donald J. Trump, who's causing all of this. Jussie? I've been calling him Juicy. I'm going to change it to Jussie. Because one, it makes me feel less awkward. And two, I think that's how you actually pronounce it. Jussie Smollett is the guy's name. Again, I keep going back to this. Some mamas need to be talked to about what you're naming your kids. So Jussie Smollett comes out, as we know, last week claiming, or this may have been two weeks ago now, claiming that he was attacked around 2 a.m. Um, on the streets of Chicago by a couple of white guys wearing ski masks and uh, uh, shouting Donald Trump campaign slogans at him. Beat him up, put a noose around his neck, and poured bleach on him, which is a horrendous, horrendous attack. I mean, I, I think any of us could say that if, if something like that actually happened to someone, that would be one of the most disgusting things that we could think of. We would be shocked that those kind of things are actually happening in America in 2019. It would be sickening. The problem is, people actually don't conduct themselves in that manner in 2019. We as a society have been pretty good about eradicating and isolating people that harbor real supremacist, racist views to the point that they would attack another person because of the color of their skin. Now, we still deal with a society that physically attacks people for their political beliefs, but that's another story. We'll talk about that later. Anyway, it's coming out over the weekend that um, Chicago police are finding out that the attack was not by the people that Jussie Smollett has described, but by a couple of brothers from Nigeria that happened to work on the same TV show as Smollett and that Smollett possibly paid these guys to attack him or pretend to attack him, whatever happened, and that this was a big setup to not only make himself look like a victim, but to promote the insanity and the paranoia of people thinking that racist MAGA hat-wearing clan members roaming the streets all over the country and recklessly attacking gays and minorities at will. That's what they want to portray. Now, that doesn't happen, uh, at least on a, a consistent basis, so they feel the need to make sure those attacks are staying in the headlines. Even if they got to make them up, they want to make sure uh, people continue to stay freaked out and ultimately blame the president for them. But now that we're finding out what really happened, what actually went on, um, it's only appropriate to go back and see what people were saying whenever this, um, uh, whenever this first popped off with no evidence other than this Smollett guy's word and the absurd claims that he get, that he put out there about having bleach poured on him, getting a noose put around his neck. And uh, at, at 2 a.m. in Chicago, I, I mean, can, can we even fathom there's a bunch of white supremacists roaming around the streets of Chicago? At 2 a.m. Is it just me or or is that kind of hard to believe? Anyway, taking a look back after he puts this stuff out here, what some people said. Uh, On the celebrity front, as I go through Twitter, I see things like, um, let's see here. uh, Cher's got a tweet and she refers to Donald Trump. I it's almost like I can't read a sheer tweet because they never make any sense. She's, she uses a lot of emojis too. But she says, uh, Jussie Smollett, Empire actor, reportedly attacked in possible hate crime. Villainy, racism, homophobia promoted by the most infamous in the world is the poison that kills... White only is not right, is people of color, GOP goes down with ship, DJT, referring to Donald J. Trump, none of that really makes sense, but take it for what you will, Katy Perry, uh, standing with and sending love to Justice Smollett today, this is a racist hate crime and is disgusting and shameful to our country, Uh, Olivia Munn. Smollett was violently attacked by two white men who poured bleach on him and put a noose around his neck. He was targeted for being black and for being gay. This is why we have to have zero tolerance against homophobia and racism. Jesse's life matters. We do have zero tolerance for it. We also should have zero tolerance for these fake hate crimes. Uh, Billy Eichner. Says heartbroken and furious reading about the attack on Smollett. I want Trump and all MAGA lunatics to burn in hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rosie O'Donnell, Unreal. Love to Juicy, Jussie. And then she puts the middle finger emoji emoji and says two MAGA A holes. Mm -hmm. Rob Reiner says the horrific attack on uh, Jesse Smollett has no place in a decent, human-loving society. Homophobia existed before Trump, but there is no question that since he has injected his hatred into the American bloodstream, we are less decent, less human, and less loving. No intolerance, no Donald Trump. Mm Mm-hmm. Barry Jenkins, thinking of Jussie, saddened, heartbroken, angry, all of it. What matter that he is the kindest soul, but he is the kindest soul, and this is blanked. This is what all that hateful mongering has wrought. Are you proud? Referring to Donald Trump. Uh, Beth Bears, for the love of God how, how, how can people still support this president? I beg of you, please, can we put aside politics and fight together to overcome disgustingly vile hate? Just kind of looking through here. Uh, Josh Gad, this makes me sick. Smollett, we are all with you today, my friend. Sending unlimited love your way. My heart breaks for you and a country where this kind of thing can still happen on a regular basis, okay? Happens on a regular basis, according to Josh Gatt. Um, Who else? Bill Pratty? I don't even know who these guys are. While some are whipping up tales of danger coming over the border, the real and documented danger to America is coming from homegrown right-wing racist, homophobic, and anti-Semitic movements. Now, the, the the party of the anti-Semites, literally, the party that is electing anti-Semitic people to Congress has the audacity to point the finger at the other side. Um Yeah, so there's just some tweets from celebrities on the Jesse Smollett case, which those didn't age very well. You had several establishment media journalists doing the same thing, talking about how horrible this was. Politicians rushing to the same judgment. You had Maxine Waters blames the attack on the president. She said, why all of a sudden do we have people unable to study while black, unable to mow a lawn while black, unable to have a picnic while black, and being attacked? Nancy Pelosi, the racist homophobic attack on Smollett is an affront to our humanity. No one should be attacked for who they are or whom they love. Kamala Harris says it was a modern-day lynching, while Cory Booker used the same term to describe this alleged attack. Ocasio-Cortez tweets that the attack was not possibly a racist and homophobic attack, but that it was a, a racist and homophobic attack. So these guys... Jumping right on it, right on top of it. And then, once you once you start getting the word that this stuff is actually a hoax hate crime, a fake hate crime, people start slowly backpedaling. Now, keep in mind, most people, especially the politicians who immediately jumped on this, they're completely quiet. Like well, we're gonna wait on the evidence to come out blah, blah 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 blah, so on and so forth, but the media the media has no choice but to talk about it and I was watching c n n and they were doing a, a thing this weekend, I guess it was maybe yesterday, and uh they had a a round table going on, but they they had Brian Stelter on the phone. And, you know, Brian Stelters, the guy that's on the show, Reliable Sources on CNN, he's the guy, the ball-headed guy with the squeaky voice. Here is what he said when he was, uh, when he was on, I think this was yesterday, uh, on CNN. Listen to this.
2: Exactly. Brian, you're our media expert. I'll give you the last word. How does he use the media, perhaps,
0: going forward? I think in retrospect, that Des Morning America interview, which allowed him to tell his side of the story... It just made things worse for him. And Absolutely. perhaps the questioning was not tough enough on Gamorian in America. But ultimately, this is not about the media or about politicians or activists or any of the people that might have been fooled. It's about Jussie. And I agree with what everyone else has said. This is about why he might. And
3: so far, we don't know. But why he might have made this up, uh, it just boggles the mind, Donna.
2: We're all going to stay on top of it. We're going to bring our viewers every-
3: So it's not about the the politicians, and it's not about the media. They hold no responsibility for this or anything of the sort. But if you go back through some of the headlines, the, the Washington Post, the New York Times, some of the old clips, some of the clips from last week from CNN and MSNBC alike, uh, you quickly see... That people like the Washington report, uh, the the Washington report, the Washington Post reported three times that the attack happened without using the term allegedly. Three times, but fantastic Super Bowl ad they had. Democracy dies in darkness. Remember that. Remember how honorable and and great the reporters are. Three different articles that refused to use the word allegedly when describing the attack on this Smollett guy. Because they wanted to paint it as an actual thing. They knew this hatred existed in America. And they finally caught it. They finally caught one of these despicable acts. And they're going to report it and they're going to capitalize on it. And they can finally prove to the American people that Trump supporters are dangerous and that Donald Trump's rhetoric is to blame. We told y'all, we told y'all the president saying the things that he says, calling the the media the enemy of the people, him being such a blatant racist, was going to cause these Trump supporters to start attacking black people and attacking gay people and minorities. It was going to happen, and here it is. So, there's no need to use the word allegedly in the stories because they knew this was coming. They had no need to research, no need to wait on a police report. We knew this was going to happen. So, we'll just go ahead and report it as fact. Same thing when they say, all politicians, the politicians are not to blame here. They place the, the blame on the celebrities. But politicians, as you just heard, jumped the gun as well. They didn't say allegedly; they just condemned the attack because they were positive that this actually happened. They were one hundred percent positive that this happened. Same thing on another, uh, another episode of uh, this is actually a show of reliable sources. They've got a roundtable going on, and and one of the—I think this is an editor from Vox on here. Listen to what she says about it. She takes the same route. Immediately
0: there were political stakes to this story. Uh, Liz, do you think that that distorted it? Right. I mean, the the MAGA quote, I remember reading about this story and looking for a real uh, reputable media outlet reporting on that, and I could not find one, right? The people who
3: were repeating that. She is literally saying— (laughs) No outlet reported that these guys were shouting Trump campaign slogans. She seriously just said that.
0: What we're not news outlets. We're not media outlets. It was repeated by sure people who maybe had good intentions of wanting to spread this story and had empathy for what they thought was, you know, a real story. But we can't confuse celebrity tweets with the media and the press. And, you know, so you're saying actors and activists yes. who were rushing to his side yes. because they're friends with him and they support yeah. him and they're concerned about a possible hate crime. Of course, he's in the Are hospital, not the same right? as Chicago yeah. reporters. Who so we're trying to find out what happened. Exactly. And, and it is different. And look, we don't know what happened to Jesse. But what we do know is that uh, racism is alive and well in this country. Homophobia is alive and well in this country. Twenty.
3: 20- yeah, that old gag. See, they, they firmly believe it. They firmly believe that these things are happening on a regular basis. They've, they've spun themselves into a frenzy. They freak themselves out over the fact that this is just the way of life. And they have to be the heroes to stop it. Now, to her point that no media outlet referenced Trump or that these guys were saying MAGA or build the wall or any of that stuff. Let's just take a look back over the past week and see exactly what the media outlets have been saying. (laughs)
0: With a noose around his neck and hospitalized. Empire star Jesse Smollett was the victim of a vicious, racist, and homophobic attack. His attackers hurled racial and homophobic slurs.
2: Two people yelled racist and homophobic slurs. Racial and homophobic slurs. Not only homophobia, we're talking about racism. We're talking about hate with steroids
3: they are looking for two suspects who were apparently wearing make
2: america great again hats
0: the offenders uttered this is maga country the hate crime went down early this morning in chicago
2: officials are investigating the alleged assault as a hate crime
0: and now police say they're investigating this as a possible hate crime anyone attacked in a hate
2: crime
3: like this is an outrage
0: this is this is stomach turning mine boggling mm-hmm. information it, it's, it's out of control and speaker of the house nancy pelosi tweeting the racist homophobic attack on jesse smollett is an affront to our humanity and senator cory booker said the vicious attack on actor jesse was an attempted modern day lynching kamala harris calling the attack an attempted modern day lynching
2: i'm so shaken by the story this is horrible to report this is a horrible story i like this
3: is a horrible story
2: yeah I mean, the wow. circumstances are just horrific. Horrendous and unacceptable.
3: Absolutely despicable. Yeah, a lot of people can't believe this is actually happening in 2019. It's hard to believe that we're reporting, that we're even saying words like this in 2019.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm. And this is America in 2019. Mm.
3: This is America. We knew we knew this was coming. This is America. Now, um, they didn't say anything like... Uh, The suspects yelled, this is MAGA country, or they were wearing Make America Great Again hats. Oh, they did? They did say that? Oh. Gotcha. Gotcha. My bad. My bad. They were all over it. They were loving it. They were loving the fact that they finally caught one of these snot-nosed MAGA whiteies attacking a gay person of color putting a noose around his neck and pouring bleach on him. They knew it. And you remember, we played the audio of, of uh, Smollett on Good Morning America just last week. He was on Good Morning America repeating this story with great confidence, by the way. Having to relive Relive the horrible, horrible attack that he went through. So America would know what a so America would know what he went through and know who's at fault, which is Donald Trump. Remember this part?: Why do you think you were targeted?
1: I can just assume I mean, I come really, really hard against. 45, I come really, really hard against his administration and I don't hold my tongue.
0: I want to ask you about Jesse Smollett. I think that's horrible. Uh, It doesn't get worse as far as I'm concerned.
1: Were you aware that he made that statement? I saw it. I don't know what to say to that, you know. Um, You know, I appreciate him not brushing over it.
2: And there is no doubt in your mind what motivated this attack.
1: I can only go off of their words. I mean, who says empire this MAGA country ties a noose around your neck and pours bleach on you, and this is just a friendly fight? I will never be the man that this did not happen to. Mm. I am forever changed. And I don't subscribe to the idea that everything happens for a reason, but I do subscribe to the idea that we have the right and the responsibility to make something meaningful out of the things that happen to us, good and bad.
3: He has changed forever because of what happened to him. Poor guy. He's changed forever. He sure is. He is now on a uh, growing list of perpetrators of hoax hate crimes. We have seen, you you, you constantly hear, we're we're seeing an increase in, in hate crimes and people being attacked. The only increase we've seen is in hoax hate crimes. And it's why people immediately started questioning this because we as Americans have become cynical to this being a thing. The more outlandish it seems the more likely we are to question it but even if it's not crazy outlandish when you come out and the first thing you talk about is trump supporters attacked me that's a red flag where we all go we we are trump supporters we know trump supporters none of us are bad people we're not bad people we're we're not looking to to even hurt the people we disagree with you go through uh Back in January, you remember the Muslim girl uh, that uh, was out of Toronto. She she told police that uh, a man had come up, a white man had come up and threatened to cut off her hijab, threatened to cut it off. Then it garnered all this attention. Justin Trudeau was talking about it and condemning the attack, and saying his heart goes out to the young girl uh, for being attacked over her religion. And then police. End up concluding that the whole thing never occurred and that she made it up. You had in September a woman from Long Island. She told police that th- that uh, four teenagers had confronted her and started yelling Trump twenty sixteen, and that she woke up the next morning to find her tire slashed with a note on her car that said Go home. She ended up being arrested, by the way, for fabricating the entire Trump-related hoax, hate crime. Back in July, there was a Texas waiter at a restaurant. Post a photo on social media of a receipt. The customer's receipt had the words, We Don't Tip terrorists" scrawled across the top, along with the waiter's name Khalil circled. The photo, obviously, gaining national attention. CNN's all over it. MSNBC's all over it. People are offering donations. A GoFundMes are being set up. And the customer who paid for that meal, the customer who that receipt belonged to, was banned from the restaurant. They then found out, after the waiter admitted, he had written the words himself on the receipt. And then he made the whole story up. Ohio State University. A student tells police she had received homophobic death threats. Then she ends up being charged with three counts of making false alarms after uh, police discovered that she had sent the death threats to herself. You got a high school marching band in Georgia that decided to display a a racial slur during one of their performances, and after conducting an investigation, the school's principal announced that the incident was a complete hoax. Then one day before these past midterm elections, a black freshman at Kansas State tweeted an image of a racist note attached to his apartment door. In his suite, He stated that this was blatant racism and should serve as a reminder that everyone needs to get out and vote. That tweet was deleted and the student later admitted that uh, he admitted to police that he had created and posted the note to his own door. This is all politically motivated. It's motivated to hurt Trump. It's motivated to convince people that Trump is actually causing people to do these things. Every single one of these hoax, hate crimes are politically driven, politically motivated. This is this is a thing that that was originated by Hillary Clinton during the campaign. Remember, they called it uh, ducking or bird dogging or something. I, I don't remember what they called, but they would send the the duck, the person in the duck suit, out to to to. Trump rallies, remember that? And people are taking that tactic up, and they're doing this, and they're. it's taking the form of hoax hate crimes to hurt the Trump campaign, but they always get found out. There was another one um, that was uh, where a, a church had been vandalized, and the N-word had been sprayed on the side of the church. It was a black church. Turns out, A black man did it. A black man that was a member of the congregation. You had another receipt incident, which was also out of Texas, where the waitress got on her receipt a racial slur against Hispanics, claiming that a law enforcement employee had written it and directed it towards her. She later admitted to the county sheriff that she herself had written the racist comment. You had at Drake University racist notes surfacing that spurs an investigation, protests, campus-wide concern for nearly the entire month, only to find out a student who had received one of the notes had been the one who sent the notes to herself and others she ended up facing charges and possible expulsion although i don't know what ultimately happened to her all in the name of getting that darn donald trump and with that with while those things are happening while people are making up these these fake hate crimes you've got real attacks happening on the people that are being accused of doing such horrible racist things. They're the people that are actually being attacked. I just saw this morning out of Kansas, there is a uh, 14-year-old that is in a Vans store with his mom. Now, Vans, as you know, they're like a clothing store, shoe store, whatever. So they go in there. He's wearing a, a red MAGA hat. And an employee comes up to the kid and tells him to take the hat off. And the kid just kind of looks at him funny. And the employee then says, F you. Get out of my store. Well, the mom had none of it. Got with the manager. Got with corporate. And Van ended up firing the guy and apologized and blah, 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 blah. But a grown adult doing that to a 14-year-old boy. 14 years old. Imagine, you're the parent, and you walk in a store, and you see a store employee walk up to your kid and do that. What would your reaction be? Another story out of Bowling Green, Kentucky. This happened on Saturday. There was a man from Tennessee that pulls a gun, a 40 caliber, and puts it in the face of a guy wearing a Make America Great Again hat in a grocery store. He and his wife are standing in line and the guy walks by him and flips him off. And he turns around and he said, did you just flip me off? And the guy said, yeah. What are you going to do about it? So he walks over there and gets in his face. He's like, why would you flip me and my wife off? The guy then pulls out a gun and sticks the gun in the face of the guy wearing the Make America Crate Again hat. That's what's happening. And in another story, this also from this weekend, I can't give you any details on who this guy is, but I I, I got his permission to share his story. He is a listener to this podcast, and he was in Nashville over the weekend at a bar, and he's wearing a shirt that is a pro-Trump shirt. A guy walks up to him and says, Hey man, do you support Donald Trump? And the guy says, Yeah, obviously I do. The guy that asked the question then proceeds to hit this guy over the head with a beer bottle, busting him open, and he's bleeding everywhere. I can't give you any more details on that or tell you who it is because he asked me to keep that anonymous as the police are doing their investigation. He's supposed to provide me a police report and all that kind of stuff so I'll know a little more about it and I told him if he wants to share his story, we're more than happy to have him on this show to talk about it. But for supporting Donald Trump and in Nashville, in the South, gets busted over the head with a beer bottle, and gets cut open, bleed in, in a bar, having a good time, and now you're bleeding everywhere because of the shirt you were wearing. That's the kind of stuff that goes on. Well, Jesse Smollett is lying to everyone in the country about what happened to him. Trump supporters are being physically assaulted daily, daily. This happens over and over and over again, and nobody's talking about it. Everybody's just letting it go. Letting it go. It's all about the Trump supporters are the dangerous ones. They're the violent ones. They're the ones that hate people for how they look or who they love or who they support. but that doesn't reflect reality, not in the least. So at some point, we are going to have to stand up to the media, stand up to these lunatics that continue to attack people who really, their only crime or the only reason that they're being attacked is simply because they love their country. And they want the best for their country. They want the best for the person that attacks them. Yet they still suffer those consequences. We're out of here. Thank you all for hanging out today. Tomorrow on the show, we'll have Joy Villa. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be exciting. We'll have plenty of stuff to talk about. And uh, stay on the Over the Line Facebook page. Anything that happens, anything that breaks, we'll bring it to you. Overthelineshow.com sign up for the newsletter and we'll see you tomorrow y'all be good see ya cuz